It's a mean age. But it is going to be a beautiful future as long as we don't f*** it up. I'm Brian McWilliams, and this is Mean Age Daydream, where I bring you unfiltered comedy, criticism, philosophy, and politics with a Mean Age Daydream. What's up, lemon fellows, chuckleheads, jelly bellies? How you doing? It's Brian with a little bonus Mean Age Daydream action for you. Uh, it was a little bit too much to get to on the Wednesday show. So because I'm actually going to be going out of town for a few days, I'm not going to have a chance to do meme wars with John on Friday. I decided to do a little uh, show here recording Thursday. Uh, John's actually live streaming it to our Patreon pride group with his show. So I don't want to usurp that audience. Uh, so I'm just casting this out into the world live on our Twitter feed at Lions of Liberty and on the Mean Age Daydream uh, solo podcast feed YouTube, which uh, just search Mean Age Daydream. It'll pop right up. But of course, you're also able to hear this on Friday on our main feed. So as I uh, start the show off, want to remind you guys, check out the Patreon where you can hear Good Morning Fuckhead Rants, our secrets, lives, and cover-ups. You can get the live streams. Like I said, John's live streaming right now, a show that will not air until next week. So you can comment, watch, etc. And, of course, you get discounts on our Lions of Liberty merchandise. Like, for instance, the brand new pharma-centric shirts that we have. They're fantastic. I'm not going to lie to you. One came from something that John said, which is that... Basically, television is just filler between pharma commercials, right? So there's a shirt for that. It's a pretty great shirt. And, of course, we also have one perfect for Valentine's Day coming up, which is to say the new Big Pharma slogan, which, of course, is Big Pharma making myocarditis our ocarditis, since everybody's got it. Anyway, guys, welcome to Mean Age Daydream. I'm going to uh, first, corrections and retractions. I had, uh, you know, it's funny, I... I I, as I was saying it, I was like, oh, I just fucked that up. But I could not remember the goddamn president, quote unquote, president of Brazil's name. It is Lula, not Maduro. I got my socialist swapped last episode and dropped Venezuela's socialist pretend democratically elected president on you. Uh, no, this is uh, Lula who is Brazil's pretend democratically elected president in the most safe and secure election <laughs> of our lifetime. Because <laughs> they always are. So quick correction there. Uh, today, I'm going to get into a couple things. Number one is the Golden Globes. They just aired last night. I have some thoughts to share. I also just, I need to talk about Prince Harry. I just, I can't despise him and his piece of shit wife any more than I do. I think they're probably in my top 10 most hated people in the world list. So I want to talk about them. But I also, just at the very top of the show, want to talk about something that just dropped. And that is Joe Biden being caught with classified documents. Now, I'm not going to add anything real new here. I'm not going to add anything that you haven't heard before. This news has been out. Everybody's saying the same thing. So I will just echo that, that it is hilarious. It's hilarious whenever these leftists, whenever the Democrats, whenever the people in the entertainment and media complex get slapped with a giant fish made of hypocrisy, just like the old uh, Monty Python slapping people in the face with trout. Well, 
you got slapped in the face with the trout here. Because as they try to prosecute Donald Trump, try to make it so he can't run for re-election because he had these classified documents at Mar-a-Lago, blah, 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 blah. Oh my God, clutch your pearls. Won't somebody think of the national secrets that we've had here? Meanwhile, you don't hear shit about what, what actually was in there. They're classified. But if it was actually something so dire, so necessary to the security of the nation, I guarantee something would have leaked. Because when the man was president, stuff leaked all the time. I'm pretty sure that with the DOJ behind Biden and in his pocket and the FBI and all the deep state operatives, we would have heard something about what was there. So clearly nothing. But yet now, not one location, but two locations. Joe Biden documents found not from when he was president, because the president has the ability to declassify documents, right? When he's vice president. So he does not have any power at this point in time to declassify anything. Well, in not one location, but two locations, they find documents, classified documents that he had kept. And from vice president era, well, that's quite a long time. Shouldn't they have raided his house? Shouldn't they have kicked the doors in? Shouldn't they have drug him away in chains? And everything that they did to Donald Trump, shouldn't that have been happening daily? Shouldn't they have been haranguing and harassing him and, and leaking to the public that he's keeping documents from them? Of course not. That won't happen. And of course, idiot Joy Behar says on The View Out Loud, well, we're giving Biden the benefit of the doubt because we don't think that he's a liar. <laughs> well, guess what, Joy? Biden's got a much longer track record of being a liar, a charlatan, a corrupt piece of garbage than Donald Trump does. Not that I have any love for Donald Trump. He thoroughly got rid of any affection that I had for him that I might have felt early in his presidency when I thought he was going to be more libertarian. Granted, I still respect some of his restraint in certain situations, a.k.a. Syria. But still, these people, the hypocrisy is so laid bare that it just... It's like if it was raining sweet cherry candy and you just went outside and opened your mouth and it's mm, delicious, delicious drops of cherry candy falling in your mouth. That's what it tastes like when this shit happens, predictably. Because every president, and I said this when they caught Donald Trump, I said every single president has done this. If you went on a witch hunt, if you tried to find this shit, you're going to find it. It's not even a question. You're going to find it. Just ridiculous. So anyway, arrest that, get it out of the way. Basically now, you know, you can't prosecute Trump for any of this stuff because de facto you had, you would have to go after Joe Biden. There you go. So Golden Globes, right? Oh, let me just, let me bring up uh, a clip. We'll just watch a couple, a couple minutes of this clip. And uh, it was hosted by Gerard Carmichael, who of course is black and gay. He is the, uh, the Karine Jean-Pierre of uh, the Golden Globes. And the Golden Globes, if you're not familiar with it, had been canceled last year because there was allegations that they were a racist organization because they didn't have any black board members. And I think it really only had like maybe one, you know, journalist that was black. You can make a salient argument and a salient point that, well, a lot of the places where these journals come from don't necessarily have very large black populations. I mean, the United States has a large black population and that's like 14%. So when you're talking about Italy and you're talking about, uh, you know, France and, you know, we're, we're, you know, I'm not sure how many other countries are represented. It's a small org, by the way. It was something like 85 or 100 journalists. Um, it's not very large. But to say that they have to have all this representation of black people is kind of ridiculous. 
if they're bringing Africa into the fold, sure. But I don't know how many movies are making it to Africa that are blockbusters necessarily. I don't know how big the African market is. And I just flat out don't know. Not making excuses. I just don't know. Uh, but I don't think it's a very large market. So thus, there's probably not a lot of film critics that are Africa-based. When I look on Rotten Tomatoes, I don't think I can think of one article that was ever, uh, one reviewer that I've ever seen based in Africa that was published anywhere. So take from that what you will. But let me go and share this opening monologue from Gerard Carmichael, where he addresses the issue. Uh, again, the issue of him being black on stage at the Golden Globes, which notably, by the way, the Golden Globes have long had a reputation of simply being bought and paid for by the studios. It has been a, I guess, open secret that they would give out these unbelievably luxurious gift bags to members of the Hollywood foreign press and essentially buy the Golden Globes for the film because it was basically the next step would be Oscars. They want to lay as much hay before that ceremony, get as many people convinced that this film needs to win, right, for the marketing of all the Oscar hoopla. So they would pay these people off to have the Golden Globe Awards. So anyway, here is Gerard Carmichael. Let me mute my mic and share this, and we can hear a little bit about what he has to say. Welcome to the 80th annual Golden Globe Awards. I am your host, Gerard Carmichael. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. And I'll tell you why I'm here. I'm here because I'm black. I'll catch everyone in the room up. If you settle down a little bit, I'll tell you what's been going on. This show, the Golden Globe Awards, did not air last year because the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, which I, I won't say they were a racist organization, but they didn't have a single black member until George Floyd died. So do with that information what you will. I'll tell you how I got here. Why am I here on the stage with you guys tonight? Well, I was at home. <clears throat> drinking tea. And I got a phone call from my man, Stephen Hill. Uh, Stephen Hill is a great producer. And he said, Gerard, really, I'm honored to be making this phone call. He said, uh, I'm producing the 80th Golden Globes, and it would be an honor if you would agree to join as the host. I was like, whoa. You know? Like, one minute, you're making mint tea at home. <laughs> the next, you're invited to be the black face of an embattled white organization. <laughs> Life really comes at you fast, you know? <laughs> so I said, Stephen, I'm torn. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I'm a little torn because, uh, you know, I, <laughs> one, it's a great opportunity. Thank you for the call. But uh, I'm only being asked to host this, I know, because I'm black. And Stephen said, let me stop you right there, Gerard. 
He said, you are being asked to host this show because you are talented. You're being asked to host this show because you are charming. He said, you're being asked to host this show because you are one of the greatest comedians of a generation. But Steven's black, so what does he know? Like, he's only producing this show because he's black. They're not going to tell him why he's here either. So I said, Steven, this is a lot for me. Let me call you back. So I did what I do when I have a, a, a moral racial dilemma. Uh, I called the homegirl Avery, who, for the sake of this monologue, represents every black person in America. And I said to Avery, I said, Avery, they asked me to host the Golden Globes. And I said, uh, you know, what should I do? And she said, ooh, Buki, I'm so proud of you. Now, r remind me, which award show is that again? And I told her what the show was, and I told her about uh, how last year didn't air because of the no black people thing. And she was like, well, how much are they paying you? And I said, well, Avery, it's not about the money, honestly. It's about the, the moral question of whether I should allow. And she said, Gerard, do you, enough of that. How much are they paying you? And I said, $500,000. And she said, boy, if you don't put on a good suit and take them white people money. All right, all right, all right. So anyway, that's enough of that. As you can tell, it's very boring. Very boring, but I wanted you to hear the opening monologue. Just I wanted you to hear just how boring that was, if I'm being perfectly honest, because it's important for you to see how self-serious he is about it. You know, he, isn't, he made a couple jokes. He made a couple jokes. I don't know if they're supposed to be jokes and just failed. I did laugh at the part where the guy said, you're one of the most talented generations, uh, communities of your generation. No, he's not. <laughs> no, he's not. Look, yeah, he's, he's fine. Okay. The only thing I can think of seeing him in is old school, where he's one of the guys, uh, I think one of the guys that drops his concrete slab off the the wall, right? And it and it stretches your dick out. And he's not the one that gets his that falls down the sewer hole, but I believe, or maybe he is the guy that falls down the sewer hole. Anyway, that's the, that's the only thing I can remember this guy from. So whatever. They reach out to him. Maybe they didn't have the budget to get somebody bigger. Maybe the other people turned them down. I just don't know. But they paid him a hell of a lot of money, $500,000. Point being, he's so self-serious about this shit, right? He, he can't just get up there and, and tell the jokes. No, he's got to sit down. He's got to really belabor the, the point and stretch it out and stretch it out and remind everybody in the room that racism is so big and so there. And let's address it right here. Now, on some level, I appreciate that, right? It's the elephant in the room. You want to address it. And by the way, I cut it off before he gets to it, but he also talks about how the Hollywood foreign press wanted to hear what he was going to say, meet with them ahead of time. And he said, no, he said, no, um, because he goes, Wait, well, whatever, you're not going to fire me because I'm black. And he's right in that. No, they can't fire me. They're in a position now where they cannot fire him. You can extend that into a various number of ways, by the way, just in our current culture and climate and how a lot of people are indeed unfireable because of their position or the way they look. I would argue that Kareem Jean-Pierre um, is unfireable at this point, despite the fact that she is clearly inept in any way. She is awful at her job, but yet there's no way they can fire her now. They, point, they painted themselves into a corner. Right, because to fire her would be racist, and it would be uh, homophobic. So they painted themselves in a corner. 
it's also, you know, by extension, I think not a great thing that because of the skin color some people might have, that businesses, that schools find themselves in positions where they cannot reprimand, they cannot correct, they cannot fire, they cannot find themselves being honest. Uh, They're not even giving people awards based upon their performance. I mean, this comes down to something I'm going to talk about actually on next week's show with uh, the Hapitarians, going to have them on, which is a school district that paid $500,000 $500,000 seems to be what you pay to try to uh, to look not racist, right? Jared Carmichael gets 500000 <laughs> The school district in uh, New Jersey pays $500,000 to hire some shitty organization that comes in, and there's video of this, a black guy, uh, you know, probably about a 50, 55, 60-year-old black man, saying, well, to get outcomes that we want, to get equitable outcomes, we might ha- not have to give some people the awards that they deserve. And they're specifically talking about there were students that happened predominantly to be Asian American in this case, who were supposed to get awards of merit. And the school did not give them those awards intentionally because they bypassed them to give them to black students that had performed worse, but they wanted to signal, they wanted the equity. So instead they punished kids who actually had earned it, had busted their ass, try hard, done well, earned these things. They intentionally overlooked them in order to put on the face of equity and look how great we are and look, these, these black students are succeeding. That's not good for anybody. It's not good for the Asians. It's going to be disincentivizing to the Asian population. It's not good for the black population who now has to wonder if the things that they're getting are based on merit. And not only that, but if you extend this further, it's also going into what you see in law schools, what you see in colleges, where now you may not be preparing kids the way you should be preparing kids. Because instead of getting them forward on what they're learning, how they're performing, you're now pushing them ahead based on how you want to be perceived by the outside world. Talking about this, you can't fire fire Gerard Carmichael thing. There was an instance, and I'm trying to remember what school district it was. I think it was in New York State, actually, where they had, after the George, George Floyd uh, riots, they said that it was racist to hold black students to the same standards of other students. And what they did was they said you were not allowed to reprimand a black student for not doing homework. Uh, you were not allowed to fail them on tests. You were not allowed to uh, give them citations for being tardy to school or missing school. And you were not allowed to something else like, like fighting or right? something like acting out, fighting, disobey. None of these things were permitted to be criticized, cited. You weren't allowed to take uh, punitive action against them for any of these things. You weren't allowed to dock their grades. It's insane. And if you're going to argue to me that that's somehow going to create better people and better outcomes that are equitable, not holding people accountable, especially when they're youth that need structure, then you're selling me a giant horseshit sandwich. Now, getting back to the Golden Globes. I don't think it's a bad thing that Gerard Carmichael addressed it. I do think that it, if you're talking about a show, I guess maybe this is them taking it on the chin, right? I think the strategy probably for the Golden Globes was they hire somebody, they say, okay, he's probably going to do something like this. We're going to take that, right? We're going to take a loss here early so we can have a gain later and get the show back on track where this is not going to be addressed every goddamn time we do the show. They did just have it canceled last year, right? They bring it back. They've got this guy over here who goes up and talks about racism predictably, right? Now, every single person that used to watch the show that tuned out because of this woke ass, everything's about race horseshit, instantly turned the channel. I know me. I wanted to check it out for about two minutes. I turned it off. I turned it off the exact same place, roughly, that I just turned the video off now. And I didn't go back. 
I went and I said, yeah, I'll see if there's any interesting clips. I'll see those clips. Because we don't want to see this shit anymore. But at the same time, if you're the Golden Globes, what do you do? You are in a trap. You are you you are basically in a hole and someone's passing you down a bucket and telling you to put the lotion on your skin. And they're just like, all right, well, I'm going to put the lotion on my skin now. And let's hope that I can escape tomorrow. That's what they did here. They were held hostage by the race paradigm that exists now within society. So my belief is they said, screw it. We're just going to hope that we can get this show. We hope that it'll come back next year. They probably have a contract, but it did have the worst ratings ever for a Golden Globes. And people will say, leftist publications will say, well, it wasn't the worst. It was because the only other time that it had worst uh, viewership was during the writer's strike when there just wasn't much going on. There wasn't much content. It just, it, it was a different situation entirely. This is the worst show they've ever had as far as ratings. It had compared to the last, the last real broadcast, uh, one third of the audience, one third of the audience. That's a hell of a drop. And again, why? Because people are sick of woke ass race baiting, sex baiting. Everything's your fault. Climate change is going to kill us all horseshit shows. They're, they're sick of being spoken down to, and they're not tuning in. So remains to be seen if the Hollywood foreign press is going to be able to make a comeback after this, because the people that tuned in were probably bored to tears by everything that went on there. I mean, you're telling me you watched, I'm shocked if anybody even stayed, stayed around to watch the rest of the show after that boring ass monologue, self, just so, so self serious. Draw it out, dude, at least get the fucking pace up, please. But shockingly, sorry, I still got my scratchy throat, but shockingly, that was not the worst part of the show. The worst part of the show would come later on when Sean Penn went up on stage and did this long, drawn-out, ass-kissing, dick-sucking speech before cutting to a pre-recorded speech from who? Vladimir Zelensky. What a surprise. What an unoriginal, pandering, fucking war state, deep-throating surprise. Vladimir Zelensky, who, of course, was on the Oscars. And I bet he's going to be on the Oscars again. Let's get this shithead in who's got all the time in the world to make stupid speeches to a bunch of Hollywood elite dickheads because he knows Hollywood elite dickheads will send him money and be the, the face of his PR campaign. In the meantime, as we send them billions of dollars, as we send them tanks and planes, we're going to train them in, in, a, in the new F-35s. We're sending them Patriot missile systems, maybe. If we want to start World War III, this piece of shit is on so many award shows now that he, you know, he, should he host them? I mean, he's the new Billy Crystal. Zelensky, come on out there. You trot him out there. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Oscars. I don't know what accent that was. <laughs> it, was it started off Russian and went into French. But it's just insulting. And again, the American people, unless you're these ultra loud, I mean, are, are the, the entirety of the Twitter that has the Ukrainian flag in their profile, is that who watched last night's Golden Globes? I have to think that's the only people that did. Because the majority of the country is against the war in Ukraine. The majority of the country is against ascending billions and sending weapons as we continue to double and triple and quadruple down on this. 
but they think that it's a great idea. What a heartwarming pick-me-up moment to cut to this fucking asshole who has gotten rid of the, the number one religion in the country, who has banned opposition political parties, who is definitely going after journalists that go after, because he's already banned and basically made all the media state-run media. Yep, just like good old Russia, just like the people they're fighting. All of the uh, media in Ukraine is now state-run, right? That was something that he put into practice as well pretty recently. He's already banned people from Ukraine and trying to get Russian passports to go into Russia, escape the country. This is the hero that the Golden Globes want to feed. But it gets better. Moving on from the Golden Globes, it gets better. You know how it gets better? Because some dumb asshole named, I believe it's, let's see, I think it's Ron Wilson. Oh, sorry, Joe Wilson out of South Carolina. Well, he just put a bill forward on uh, basically to create a bust of Zelensky. Not basically, that's what it is. To create a bust of Zelensky to be permanently displayed inside the Capitol. In the halls of Congress, a bust of Zelensky. Now, what else in history, other than George Floyd, who was notably not a good guy, when else in history have you heard of a bust being created within a year of somebody coming into our mainstream purview? And for a country, we have nothing to do with. In a war, we're not supposed to be fighting and still say we're not fighting. We're going to put a fucking statue of this cocksucker in fucking Capitol Hall? I mean, what possesses somebody to think that stupidly? What in I, what thought process goes through someone's head where they go, you know what's a great idea? You know what? We, it's, like, it's like when we were backing Saddam Hussein for a year. You know what's a great idea? It's like a Joe Biden idea. Let me tell you something, man. We need a bust of Saddam Hussein. Yeah, bro. Let's put that pony soldier out in Congress so everybody can see him. Like, it's so fucking ridiculous. I can't believe people waste time. You had to put it on paper. You had to put it on fucking paper. It's a madhouse. (laughs) It's a goddamn madhouse. (laughs) Getting all fired up here. All right, let's move on to some funnier things. So, Prince Harry, Bonnie Prince Harry. I hate him so much. I hate him. I hate Meghan Markle. She's a manipulative bitch. And I have no interest in the royal family, mind you. Zero. I'm angry at the fact that I have to hear about the royal family. I'm angry that I have to see this shit trend. I'm mad that Oprah and ABC and Good Morning America and whoever else, Anderson Cooper, are sitting down with Prince Harry and talking to him and talking to Meghan Markle and listening to her bullshit and her, and her again, race baiting. Uh, everything means anything. It means, means everything's racist in the world. I'm so sick of them. I'm sick of them. I'm sick of the entire concept. I'm sick of the royal family. But Prince Harry takes the cake. Because at least I could mostly ignore the royal family for the most part, except that this whining little bitch, Prince Pussypants, comes out with his memoir. And again, I talked about it last show. You know, I'm I'm despair. Won't somebody take pity on me? I'm despair. Fuck off. Fuck off. If your brother died, you'd be king. So shut the fuck up. 
But him to write this memoir, this whining, whinging, backstabbing memoir about his family. This is a family which, of course, born into the absolute utmost privilege. They they own more land than anything in England. That's where their power comes from. The royal family owns 70% of the land in England, by the way. Such privilege. This piece of shit, though, goes out of his way to destroy, to try to destroy the entire British ruling legacy. To take, I mean, his intent is to take them down. And, you know, very publicly had a fallout, did all the interviews, did their stupid ass-kissing Netflix special, which should be, shouldn't even be watched. It's so curated, so, so bullshit. And then, on top of it, doesn't need the money. Dude's got so much money, should not have a dime, by the way. His family, again, lets him keep it. He he renounces his throne, renounces his rights to be a member of the royal family. Guess what? Still got to keep that cash, still getting that money. His family didn't didn't completely cut him out, ostracize him, right? Now I'm sure they will. But this piece of shit goes and does all these tours and, and puts, you know, drags his royal family through the dirt, lets his wife call them a bunch of racists, which nothing I've heard sounds to me like they're actually racist. Nothing. Not a single thing. Drags them through the mud and now has the gall to put out a memoir about he's, oh, woe is Prince Harry. Oh, they're, they're so terrible. He's feeling, oh, no, I had a fight with my brother. Oh, no. Oh, my mom died. No, it sucks your mom died, dude. A lot of people's mom died. And you know what? A lot of people whose moms died didn't turn into fucking pieces of shit that turn on their family and and go out of their way to try to burn down the legacy of their household. A lot of people just man up, get the job done, try to be good people, try to do good in the world. Not this kid. Not this guy. Probably because most people that go through trauma actually have to work for a living. Most people that go through trauma actually have to try to put their lives back together to be good people. They can't simply wallow in self-pity because they've got millions of dollars and land holdings and houses in everywhere. And you can't go and stay with your buddy, uh, whoever the fuck is, over in Africa for two years and stay on their royal grounds and play polo and uh, you know and eat chocolate off of your, your nanny's asshole. These people actually have to get their lives together. They got to go to work. They got to take care of their kids and they don't have nannies to help them do it, which I'm sure Meghan Markle will find a reason to whine about. By the way, she better take it up the ass hard. Meghan Markle better gate give just fantastic ass for the shit she has caused it for how whipped he is. But as some people like tweeted that out, as people probably pointed out, more than likely she's given it. More than likely, Prince Harry's such a little puss that he's the one taking it. Now, on that perfect segue, and yes, you, Brian, how is that a perfect segue? Well, let me share it with you. Since John and I are doing going to do our, our meme uh, Friday show, I've got one for you that I want to share here. And this is from the uh, a Great British Memes and from a gal named Delaney on uh, Instagram, at Female Hysterias. This is from the audiobook for Spare, read by Prince Harry. Let's give a listen, shall we? You're not going to be disappointed. Trust me, you're not going to be disappointed. Share, and here we go. Let me turn my mic off. Remedies, including one recommended by a friend. 
She'd urged me to apply Elizabeth Arden cream. My mum used that on her lips. You want me to put that on my todger? It works, Harry. Trust me. I found a tube, and the minute I opened it, the smell transported me through time. I felt as if my mother was right there in the room. Then I took a smidge and applied it. Down there. My penis was oscillating between extremely sensitive and borderline traumatised. The last place I wanted to be was Frost Nippistan. I'd been trying some home remedies, including one recommended by a friend. She'd urged me to apply Elizabeth Arden cream. My mum used that on her lips. You want me to put that on my todger? It works, Harry. Trust me. I found a tube, and the minute I opened it, the smell transported me through time. All right, there you go. There you go. So that was in his memoirs. Um, putting on his mommy's hand cream on his dick. And of course, as you heard, it oscillated. <laughs> it was oscillating. It was oscillating at a feverish pitch. This... This man we're supposed to take seriously. We're supposed to feel sorry for him. We're supposed to listen to all of the bullshit that his uh, his wife, who it's been pointed out uh, numerous times now, used to call herself Caucasian in her own acting biography. But now, of course, because it is convenient and because race gets all the headlines, has now gone down the road of being a proud black woman who, of course, uh, experiences racism every day. Guys, that's going to do it for our show. I hope you'll oscillate with me next Wednesday. Don't forget, you can support us on Patreon, and please do. Patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. Get our daily shows. Get our uh, our fantastic bonus content, our live streams. Get to join the Lions of Liberty Forum. And, uh, of course, that's the best way if you want to talk to us as well. You can join in there and just tag us and, uh, and have some chats. Otherwise, enjoy your weekend. From me, Brian McWilliams, from the Lions of Liberty, and from Prince Harry's oscillating penis, keep those electric eyes on me, babe. Keep that ray gun to my head.